0: I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're in the judgment time of year, the end of our liturgical year, as we head towards Christ the King. This year, we hear what are known as Jesus's parables of judgment all from the 25th chapter of Matthew. This week, the parable of the 10 bridesmaids, five foolish, five wise. Next week, the parable of the talents where a man gives servants some money who care for it in different ways, including one burying it out of fear of what he calls his harsh master. In the final week, we hear of the judgment of nations, Jesus separating the sheep from the goats, those who treated others like Christ and those who didn't. This is a tough time of year because we hate a judgmental God. That's not the kind of God we want. We want God to be loving and forgiving, creator of all source, Of all life. But judge? No, thank you. We dislike a judgy God, but come on, friends, we like judgment. Well, we like it when it's aimed at others, and we've certainly been wallowing in it for the past few years, haven't we? Our differences have divided us, they've grown so deep. We can't imagine having anything in common with those people. In the cultural and political wars, our judgment of one another has led to what conflict theorists would probably describe as a level four or five conflict. That's when we don't even seek understanding because we're so focused on destroying one another. Now, let me be clear. I'm not entirely opposed to judgment. Some ideas and actions are wrong and they need to be judged correctly. But judging someone's ideas, even actions to be wrong doesn't permit us to judge a person to be wrong, to cancel them. Well, we've had a kind of judgment, a political judgment, an election finally called And I'm betting that most of us here today are pleased, celebrating as we should be. But we also know that we are divided, practically riven in two as nearly half of the country voted one way, the other half the other way. We are at odds with ourselves In this season of the parables of judgment, we also get prophets, prophets who call people and nations to account. This week, we hear from Amos, the prophet who lived during a time of great division. The people were divided into two nations, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. The people disagreed about just about everything. Who should lead them? Should it be someone with scriptural street cred, a descendant of King David, even if that relative was corrupt? Or should it be a leader outside the family of David, but who would be like a David, visionary, faithful, righteous? The people disagreed about moral and religious questions, especially about how they should worship. Can they worship at local religious sites, or do we have to all trooped down to Jerusalem to go to the great temple. And while people within the society were busy fighting and judging one another, everyone feared the Assyrians who would eventually invade and overrun the country. At this time, people were eager for God's judgment for everyone was certain that when God arrived to judge the much longed for day of the Lord, that God would judge their enemies. Everyone thought that their enemies would get what was coming to them. Their enemies would be defeated and they would be vindicated. But here's the thing, our God is surprising and unpredictable what we ask for isn't always what we get. What we think is inevitable isn't. Longing for the day of the Lord, a time when enemies will be punished and we will be vindicated, well, that might not turn out exactly how we imagined it. Into this enter the prophet Amos. Amos travels from Judah in the south to Israel in the north to deliver his news. He cuts through the arguments about who the king should be. He cuts through the arguments about how and where we ought to pray, even through the fears and anger towards a threatening foreign country. Amos, shepherd and dresser of sycamore trees, someone we might call a migrant farm worker today, Amos, is able to see the whole society from the underneath. In his littleness and his faithfulness, he sees the infighting among the people, but he calls out the major problems. They have created a society that oppresses the poor. And even in their own fear of one another and of the Foreign enemies, they don't cry out to God for goodness. They don't hunger or thirst for God's ways, but continue building a society that benefits some and excludes, grinds down others. So why call out for the day of the Lord, Amos asks. You're calling out for judgment on your enemies, but you're going to find God's judgment is for you. It's as if we had fled from a lion and we're met by a bear, he warns. Amos, the poor one himself, can see the problem isn't between this side or that side, but with the people, with the society. Throughout his book, Amos warns the people that God has picked them, all of them, to be his people. Therefore, because he has called them, he's holding all of them responsible for the sins of the nation if the poor are oppressed all are responsible if the sick don't have adequate care all are responsible if some people because of the color of their skin cannot call law enforcement all are responsible if there are children separated from parents living in cages all are responsible this is the day of the lord that is judgment It might sound like bad news to a lot of us. We hate that judgmental God. But it's good news. It's good news if you're poor. It's good news if you are oppressed. It's good news if you are frightened and anxious left out or left behind. The day of the Lord brings justice rolling down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. The day of the Lord washes away injustice and sweeps in God's justice and righteousness, a just society that cares for all and oppresses no one. Righteousness between the people where people care for and respect one another. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. That's the vision that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. offered over and over and over again. Not only in his I Have a Dream speech, but he uses Amos's language and promise in sermons and speeches and essays throughout his whole life. Because if you are a migrant farm worker, or a black civil rights leader during segregation, or a sick person afraid to go to the doctor because you don't have insurance, or you're an immigrant afraid of your home country, but now you're mistreated in your sanctuary country. Well, then the day of the Lord is not a threat, but a joy. It's not a day of judgment, but of liberation. There's an old, old spiritual inspired by the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Keep your lamp trimmed and burning. You can find old recordings of it on YouTube with blind Willie Johnson singing it, or you can find new recordings of choirs singing the marvelous arrangement by Andre Thomas. This spiritual encourages listeners to be ready for that time of Christ's coming. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. That can sound exhausting or even threatening to many of us, having to be ready at all times and ready for judgment. No thank you. But the spiritual also includes verses that repeat a phrase over and over. Keep your lamp trimmed and burning. And the second verse, children don't grow weary, children don't grow weary. And then darker midnight lies before us. And then the morning soon is breaking. But then every verse ends this way, the time is drawing nigh. And this spiritual sung by enslaved people in the South was a religious song, but it was also a song about escaping slavery. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Don't grow weary. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready for the day of the Lord, for God's judgment, which is joy, which is freedom, when that judgment brings justice and righteousness, pouring forth like a mighty stream to wash away the old society, the society that oppresses the poor, that enslaves people. Surprise. Judgment is liberation and joy. And then, and then, one more surprise from God. At the end of the prophet Amos, after chapter after chapter, warning his listeners what the day of the Lord will bring, God reveals that at the end, God will not destroy God's people, nor their country. Rather, it is he who will transform it into a place of justice and righteousness for all. In the end, judgment is mercy. We might find the same is true for those poor bridesmaids. After all of the foolish ones had trusted that the party was for them too that they didn't have to have their lamps lit. They didn't have to have enough oil. They would have been there when the bridegroom arrived and they could have walked right into that party he was throwing. We should long for the day of the Lord, for when he comes, there will be justice and righteousness and there will be a great party of mercy and joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.